listening to Include This Podcast, a show about the untold stories of people of color and underrepresented groups in the entertainment industry and beyond. I am your host, Christina Nieves. Today, we have Richard Cortez and Michelle Moore from the band We Are Baker. I wanted to interview We Are Baker for this podcast because they're two singer-songwriters of color who are out there killing it at a very high level, and I knew we were going to have so many great things to talk about. And it's very full circle for me because Richard, who is guitar and vocals for We Are Baker, is one of my oldest friends. We went to middle school together. We went to a magnet arts middle school in South Florida. I have the chubby, acne-ridden pictures to prove it. And it was so great to reconnect with him, however many years later, I shall not disclose, and see that he is still doing his thing. We lost touch after middle school, and Richard kept pursuing a life in the arts and became an incredible singer-songwriter. He had a successful solo career for like seven years, and then he reconnected with another one of his childhood friends, the incredible Michelle Moore. Michelle was busy doing her thing, getting her music placed in commercials, TV, movies, but they decided that they wanted to join forces and create We Are Baker. But then they needed to find a name. It was about coming up with a name, and I'm the kind of person that, like, scrutinizes over these types of things, and it's, like, hyper-analytical, and Michelle just looked at me and said, the band's called Baker. Okay, well, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> he always tells that story, but and that's, that's the not, truth. That's not really the how, table. how it goes down. <laughs> we were trying to figure out a name, because essentially, I was in California, and I had, like, a mini breakdown, and he was like, why don't you just come back to Florida, and we'll write. So we started writing, but during the time that we were writing, we were listening to a lot of jazz music, particularly Chet baker Mm -hmm. and um i used to be a trumpet player so for me i was just like this is it was very therapeutic for me because i'd never really listened to his music like that but he had listened to i mean he he knew more about his music than i did Mm -hmm. and um so i just felt like a connection with that and we were looking for names and driving by places and i was like oh what about that what about you know just (laughs) trying to figure something that would make sense and because we had been listening to the music, I just figured we'd call ourselves Baker. There's also a really great story behind Chet Baker's history, which is that he was a terrible drug addict right. and actually lost all of his teeth mm-hmm. right. in like a street a fight, fight, I think. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, like him relearning how to play with wooden teeth was kind of like right. us relearning how to make music yeah, as two like... people together. Now, if you've ever tried collaborating with someone, you know it's not always easy. Collaboration can be one of the most challenging and most rewarding things you can do as an artist. Well, when we first started, there was a lot of uh, friction um, just because, you know, we're both coming from different places and different experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think I was a little bit more... um, in my flesh with who I was in terms of like being a black woman and you know um I can't speak for Richard but I know that for me like being a solo artist and struggle as a woman in the entertainment business um and a black woman at that a woman of color 
it was difficult because you're in a man's world and right. you know so i had to 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 kind of kind of fight my way in and 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 kind of try to get over the hump of well she's difficult to work with or she mm-hmm. you know because it was never none of those it was never any of those things it was always ego right and you know when you're working in that kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. there's a lot of ego right. and uh when you have a very strong conviction that is seen as being hard to work with especially when you're female. especially when you're female so for me i by that point by the time we got together i had gone over that you know i was in my 30s and i was like i i, I don't part of my french i don't give a fuck if people like me or don't like i don't i don't have the i don't have the energy anymore right. so either you get with it or you don't get with it so in my creative process it, it was more important for me to just create what i liked i didn't really care mm-hmm. if anybody else liked it it was more about do i like what i'm doing I'm going to put it out, and if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, you don't like it, and that's either way works for me. But it was it's different than when you come into a group, like a, a right. another setting with another person, because if that other person is, you know, you don't know what their journey has been, so then it's kind of, then you have to kind of find your way together. Um, the only thing for me was, like, I was not going to go backwards. Right. There was no way. It was right. like, we we have to progress or we can't do it. And in the studio, when I would get too excited, she would ring the bell and be like, you're too excited right now. <laughs> Your frequency is too high. Bring it back down. Bring it down. It. Yeah, so there was a lot of, like, a lot of learning how to work together because her... Michelle never really rises above, like, a 20 from, like, in, like... Right. So Michelle is, like, pretty much, like pretty consistently like really chill and mm-hmm. I have over the years have grown to be more relaxed just being around her but when we first started I didn't know how to watch a movie and Michelle's process as an artist so I'm like I go in there and I want to like hit it hard and like fuck it till it's dead and Michelle's like why don't we like get together make a meal watch a movie then we'll go in the studio and I used to come over to the studio and be like okay like I brought the guitar like let's work and she'd be like you're w- wound up way too tight and there were a lot of like, there was a lot of learning how to be still within our work and also learning about the subtlety of what I do. Dynamics really came into play because when you're alone on stage in a bar singing over people, which is what I've been doing for as long as I, as long as I've been doing this, you sing as loud as you can and you play as hard as you can. And what I think one of the most undervalued aspects of being a musician in today's time is that vocal riffs flexibility, belting, and playing loud do not equate finesse. And finesse is what I think really resonates within our music. And Michelle sat me down one day and said, Richard, your voice is so impacting, you barely have to sing. And I had never even thought about that. I'm very subtle in everything that I do, and there was no way that I was going to meet him up there all the time. So I was like, we need to find like a better balance. Mm -hmm. So you might need to come down. And Unfortunately, it was a, a lot of him changing a lot of what he was doing just because in the recording process, like... It wasn't working. It just wasn't working, not with the two of us singing together. You know, maybe for his stuff, it was it was okay, but for the both of us, mm-hmm. it just seemed like we were fighting each other vocally, and, um, and n- neither of us were winning because none of us... It wasn't working together. So if right. we're not working together, then we've both lost. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't really matter who sounds good or whatever the case may be. So it was about blending and balancing and listening. And um, 
and that's not to say that I haven't learned anything from from him as well because he encouraged me to like you know I'm not a guitar player um I would just like take my little two strings and that's how I got by you know that's how I would write my stuff um but he would always encourage that you know it was kind of serendipitous honestly because there there was like I said there was no plan to do anything remotely like sitting you know I've done many many interviews and there I I never I never thought that I would be in a room with him, you know, doing things like this because I was doing it by myself. But it's so nice to have a partner to do it because it's such a lonely being on the road is so lonely. And it's, you know, it's just nobody understands what what you're going through as the artist. You know, you got to be everything. Right. So it's 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 nice to have a balance, you right. know, because when he's not feeling good and I, I can or vice versa, like we can pick each other up. And that's always a good thing. One of the things I love about We Are Baker is that they don't follow rules. They make up their own. And then they'll probably break those too. So when they first started playing together, they decided to try out their material by playing sets at the psychiatric facility where Richard was working at the time. And I was working in a psychiatric lockdown facility at the time for six years as a a mental health counselor and a recreation specialist and also was facilitating music therapy groups. And so we took We Are Baker there every Tuesday for two years mm-hmm. and just played the original songs just for the patients on the adolescent unit. And, and it was with- it was awesome because it was, you know, you're getting to see, you know, people who are, quote unquote, you know, called crazy and a, a lot of away and thrown society. away and they're not crazy. You know, there's a lot of similarities because, you know, I'm just a high functioning person who's depressed. But you know, th- there are people that can't function in that way. And so when you talk to them and then you sing to them in and, and they, they relate to the music so well, um, you know, that speaks volumes. And also it was good rehearsal for us to just yeah. be able to sing and try out our new stuff. And so that was our outlet for a long time. A lot of the experiences that we had in the hospital were like, we would teach the kids songs or like, and you're, and we're talking about these kids that are like thrown away into the foster care system and like are suicidal or drug addicted. And they have no, they've never experienced and nothing that wasn't given to them by um, corporate America. You know, those are the types of kids that we were working with. And so for them to see Michelle and I together and performing together, there was may not there may not have been like a plug in or a sound system or anything, but those were some of probably the more meaningful performances. Mm-hmm. Those were very meaningful. Watercolor teardrops, skin like canvas, don't stop. Wanna know your brush stroke, babe. Single shot of whiskey, tell me that you miss me. Everything is digital now. You can see it happening with the popularity of original content on Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. And the music industry was one of the first places that you could see this change happen. When was the last time you bought a CD? Fun fact about me. The first CD I ever bought was Extinction Level Event, Busta Rhymes. Companies like iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora have changed the game forever. 
which created entirely new challenges and benefits for indie musicians like We Are Baker. In the 90s, and even the early 2000s, record labels really were like made like the main representation of musicians. Right. And there was a great divide and gap between aspiring musicians and like um, signed artists. Right. And signed artists were the only people you were really being exposed to because of the lack of resources. Now, the upside to that is that now as many people that want to aspire to become musicians can tap into the re- same resources that record labels had, you know, at that time. But unfortunately... On the same, on the flip side of the coin, every single person that thinks that they're a songwriter can just put their work out there, mm-hmm. and so it's become this highly saturated environment. And iTunes and the digital age and music has shifted and shaped everything so much for people who we we put out CDs. I mean, like we were pre iTunes musicians, mm-hmm. and yeah, so pre YouTube, right? Pre all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So for for Michelle and I now at this point in the game and at this point at, at this age in the music industry, having another person on stage with you and having another person to help you promote and carry a brand when you're not a signed artist is really helpful because it's it's a lot of work. Like I can't begin to tell you, you know, how frequently we receive the following questions, and someone says, "Oh, what do you do?" Michelle and I, our first inclination is to not answer at all, usually. But when we do, you know, open up and talk about being musicians, the first questions are, who do you sound like? Are you going to audition for The Voice? These are, and the, and the, it's like sad and it's laughable, but like this is what we have trained Totally. That's the, the art lover. To, we've and dumbed on, them yeah. down. And on the social side of it, it's, well, well where are you from, you know? Those Do you sing R and B? Yeah, those kind of mm-hmm. questions. Is it is it R and B? Is it hip hop? Right. Yes, like right. yes, we are hip hop artists. Like that's what we do. <laughs> it, it's just ridiculous. And um, you know those questions, I I I avoid answering mm-hmm. because I, I find them to be quite ridiculous especially this day and age with all of the the the, the things that we can do in terms of research and stuff like that like we are not just what stereotypes you know you know are given to us you know people listen to a lot of different kinds of music and you know I, I I I was trained classically so I shouldn't have to say that I shouldn't have to because of the way that I look that you know so um we've just kind of starting started calling ourselves an all-american band to confuse yes. the shit out of people because I you know because we are you know Absolutely. we're both american and you know and um most of the time when you think of all Amer- american band it's mainly white people so white men, white men especially right. one moment that really touched me during our interview was when richard talked very openly about his struggle with identity and his journey to self-acceptance when i knew richard he identified as white as far as I knew and I don't think I even knew that his father is actually Peruvian and so over time he's reconnected with his ethnicity and come to terms with all that. And a really interesting backstory to kind of our process and how I've evolved within the project as well you know because you've known me for so long. Mm -hmm. I grew up in an environment where I was estranged from the um, cultural like vibrations of my father. And so I grew up in a very Caucasian environment where I was sort of encouraged to participate in a Caucasian lifestyle and to identify as a Caucasian person. And even like coming up and like filling out applications for college or like financial, you know, aid, like I was always checking off white. Mm 
white on my driver's license. I checked off white. And when we got together as a band, Michelle sat me down and just point blank was like, I don't understand why you're so desperately trying to identify as white. And I had never even spoken to her about that before, but she was just picking up on my like um, desire to be socially accepted, I think. And she said, you're not white. You're never going to be white. When people look at you, they don't see a white person. When you walk into a room, they're hyper aware of the fact that you're not white. And you trying to fit in as a white person is robbing yourself of the experience of you embracing who you really are. And so she said, why don't you just allow yourself to be who you really are? And here I am now, what, four years later, I've grown out my hair. I've got tattoos. Like when I look in the mirror, I see like mountain people. And I had never really embrace that side of myself before I was always keeping my hair really short and everything really like well groomed and you know um I never and that has a lot to do with like stigma even within like the dating culture and like all of those things you know being a person of color in, in today's society and I feel like even most recently now people expect you to be angry mm. you know mm-hmm. so it's and and with good reason but like I don't want anger to be I don't want people to be afraid of that anger. I want people to be inspired by it. I think that was the point where your eyes became open about just, like, the world. But because I identified as a white man for so long, when I finally realized that I wasn't, and you also have to realize, I'm very insulted when people call me passable. Like, that's something that is really insulting to me. But when I'm with Michelle, I'm definitely not passable because I'm standing next to just, like, all the blackness that you can, like, imagine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when we go out in public, I'm automatically then seen in a different way and the things that the way that people treat us when we're together when we're out in public opened my eyes even like to the things like misogyny within the gay community and like racism within the gay community and michelle and i would go to bars together and michelle would you know just kind of be serving up her normal like 250 percent glamour and somebody would be like look at this black bitch and i was like and somebody smacked her on the ass one time we were walking down the street. I mean, like, the things that I have seen, and I didn't, I just didn't know, I, I wasn't aware. And then, but then when it started to unravel, I would call Michelle and she'd be like, okay, you need to calm down. Like, not well, every be- not every opportunity is an opportunity for you to speak up. You have to realize that this is going to happen, this All has been happening to you your whole life, and you didn't realize it. Like, when people used to ask me, what are you? I thought everybody was asked that. I didn't know that people, and I, now I'm very insulted when people ask me that. I'm like, well, I'm a human being. What are you? You may not know ago, John and I had the pleasure to see We Are Baker perform on the Lower East Side. And you know they're good if I went all the way to the Lower East Side, okay? And it was totally worth it. Their connection and chemistry on stage is undeniable. It was just Richard on guitar and Michelle holding down a cute little rhythm section. And it was so bold in its simplicity. You could tell that they just knew they were enough. It was really inspiring to watch. They performed one of my new favorite songs written by Richard called Only You. Mm-hmm. 
as I'm off to the races But one thing remains Love is a farewell friend My darling I don't need roses Don't need a song it does to me what a lot of good music does to me it makes me want to cry even though i'm not sad i just feel full overflowing you know what i mean as accomplished and successful as these two are richard and michelle definitely don't sugarcoat the sometimes harsh realities of an artist's life when people ask me you know like would you choose this Oh, again, no, I wouldn't. Really? Nah, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I, it's too late now. I've been doing it for so long, you know. But um, and this is all I all I've ever done, and it's difficult. Yes. Um, because you have to work so hard just to get a little bit. Um, but you know, when you have things, I've had the opportunities of you know having my music placed in in things and you know, walking into the mall and hearing my music and it's like, oh, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean fiscal, like it's not a financial, do you know what I'm saying? So while that's great and everything, you still need to eat, right? Right. So, um, you know, but at the same time, it it is for the love of it. I do it because, because I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it's, aren't you so excited? Are you excited about the show? Are you excited about... Well, it's not a high school play. I mean, yeah, sure, uh, whatever. <laughs> I do it because I'm good at it, and yeah, it brings me joy. But I, the excitement that I had for it, I don't have for it anymore. But I think I, 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 I don't need that anymore because it keeps me grounded. It keeps me in my skin. It keeps me not concerned about what other people think about me. These two have such a cute dynamic. She is the peanut butter to his jelly. The things that Michelle has just been like, what did she, what did you say to me? When you're when you die, your body doesn't matter. So why do you why do you care? And I was like, I don't know. Why why do I care? I'm gonna do this right now. And she's like, Okay, well slow down. And then she'll pull out the bell and ring the bell a few times and be like, Okay, well not right now. All or none with him. Right. Like it's like e- right. either he's not doing it or he's doing all of it at one time. Yeah. But, but that's also what you've been looking for for all these years in a bandmate. I yeah, think. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the thing is that with me, I was that was the wishy washiness of mm-hmm. I want to do this, but like, what about this? Talking about things that are we haven't even approached yet. We haven't right. even started making the music, and you're already worried about what's going to go wrong. And I don't think like that. I try to stay in the present, as present as I possibly can. And, um, you needed someone who was all or nothing yeah. to do something like this. And um, he was very like intense. I mean, I'm intense. I'm I'm extremely intense. I feel like I'm I'm intense on a different level. Yeah. My intensity is superhuman. I I believe, but his intensity is it's it's there. It's like tangible. Present. Yeah, it's Yours very is more present. internal. Yeah, mine I'm, is very. I'm, yeah. I'm very exposed. Yeah, he's very exposed. So for me, a lot of times I was like, dude, this is way too much, or like. Like, talk about your feelings. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'll just write these songs. That'll be enough. 
Um, so we he's opened me up to that, which is which is which is nice. And um, I can't tell you how, and I talk about this all the time, but when we wrote our first cycle of songs, we wrote about fifty songs before we put out Prologue the Farmer's Daughter, which is only five songs. We took out of out of fifty songs, we took five songs, and some of those songs we still play and still exist in like our cycle of what we perform, but. In our first songwriting sessions, I sobbed. Like, I, I just sobbed all the time. I was just always crying. Because, like, between listening to Michelle sing in person, which was, like, a privilege that I get all the time, for her, for us to be writing and all, like, sitting, playing the piano and just look over, and she would look over, and Michelle is so... She can open and close very quickly. It's like a Venus flytrap. Like, she opens, she, like, gets the song and closes, and then it's, like, done, and she's ready to go watch a movie in another room. And for me, it takes me, like, three hours yeah, to recover like... from, like, hearing her <laughs> sing a song. So we, we have this song called Help Me, and it's all about, like, it was kind of like our mantra for a really long time. Um, and uh, the first lyric is, you know, something hurts me, I can't say. Um, and and the, the last phrase is, I believe that I can change. And there's this there's footage of us on film where... She sings, I believe that I can change. And then she just kind of closes up like she normally does. And she looks over and I'm like bawling, <laughs> just playing the piano, just bawling. Like, this is the most beautiful moment like, of my whole life. I was like, are you crying? I'm There's always no crying. crying in baseball. We went to go see, we went to go see Hidden Figures. We Are Baker dropped so many truth bombs during this interview about knowing and accepting yourself as an artist and a human. It really reminded me how the more comfortable I am in my skin... Not only do I get to be my best, truest self, but as a byproduct, my art is only going to be that much better. I think there's just so many, uh, what, what would you call it, myths or phrases that we've grown up with, like turn the other cheek and all this. Sure. No, that stuff is geared to pleasing society. Mm -hmm. And if you're an artist, you can't do that because you'll never evolve. You know what I mean? If you're mm -hmm. so focused on being this person for other people where does that leave you that leaves you with nothing right. and my peace is very important to me so if that means that i'm not working with coca-cola because coca-cola is an asshole well then that that leaves me with my peace it is very masochistic to be a a singer songwriter in the way of um, especially when you write autobiographically. So I'm going to experience this love or this pain or these great wave of feelings. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to be super vulnerable in private. And then I'm going to have the nerve to try to recreate that vulnerability in front of the most scrutinizing group of people that I can think of. And so when we're on stage together, I'm just so glad to be partnered in my life in such a, in what had been up until this time such a lonely cathartic experience that it doesn't there's never a bad experience even if it's shitty sound or yeah. if the <laughs> audience doesn't get it we get it so it's just it's really not about other people it's it's not it, it, it for a time when we first got together it was but I soon quickly realized that the satisfaction of making music as an adult and not a desperate 20 year old looking for attention yeah. is about um, creating what makes you happy and what makes you feel good in a, such a limited time on this earth right. you know yeah. we're yeah. given such a small amount of time and such a small amount of energy because if you think about it you shave the first 20 years off your life as exploration and you shave the last 20 years off your life as like decomposition so really you have like 30 yeah, you or 40 have much years time. to yeah. be fruitful if yeah, yeah if you're and lucky so, to, to do those so things. i'd rather just like grow fruit with this yeah one. you take that what did michelle teach me you take the compliments and you take the criticisms and you put them in the same fuck it bucket because it doesn't matter. No. What people think about our music is irrelevant. 
it doesn't matter because there is an audience for garbage. Mm -hmm. So if there's an audience for garbage, there's got to be an audience for what's good. away from this interview feeling so inspired. Actually, I had an audition right after it and I was feeling myself the entire time. So thank you, We Are Baker. Michelle, you are my new talent crush. And Richard, I am so proud to see the incredible writer and musician that you have become. I know that you have fallen in love with We Are Baker just as hard as I have. So if you want to know more about them, go to www.wearebaker.com where you can find all the info on their tour dates, watch their videos, and a whole bunch more fun stuff. You can also go there to purchase their EP, Prologue, The Farmer's Daughter, for only $4. Come on. The music is so beautiful. Support it. Or you can check it out on Spotify and iTunes. That works, too. Our show is recorded at CDM Studios in New York, New York. If you want to support us, please subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget. And rate and review us. It is so clutch when you do that. Thank you so much for listening to Include This. Until next time, stay encouraged, keep making art, and don't take no shit. Bye. I'll wait forever. I'll take a boat and watch me sail the mighty river